I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Perhaps you think of yourself as empty of sin. Hmm. No one is without sin. And Lydia, that's exactly right. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take a shift a little bit of me. I don't know what I was thinking. I've had a great time, really. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show, and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 premieres on SBS and at SBS On Demand. I'm Fiona Williams, and I manage our online coverage of movies and TV here at SBS, and I'm joined by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Sana Kadar of ABC Live. Hello. Natalie Handley of SBS Voices. Hi. And Haiti Island of SBS On Demand. Little baby Greta here is... Uh wheezing away quietly on my chest. Hopefully it's not too annoying to the listeners out there. (laughs) We have just watched episode eight of season three of The Handmaid's Tale. And this one is called Unfit. Sometimes it's just a bad apple. June and the rest of The Handmaids shun of Matthew. Being so mean. And both are pushed to their limit at the hands of Aunt Lydia. She thinks she knows better than God. That's a sin. Speaking of which, Aunt Lydia reflects on her life and relationships before the rise of Gilead. I was married. Uh, It was a mistake. We have been sent good weather, which I receive with joy. (laughs) Lydia Clements! We got it. We got our Aunt Lydia Oh, my God. This this episode, I feel like I was, like, shielding my eyes for half of it. I was like, oh, I can't watch this. It's crazy. Yeah, that was a roller coaster. I mean, this had it all, didn't it? Like, stillborn baby, a Janine beating, Mm -hmm. internalised and externalised, a slut shaming and... Of Matthew. Of Matthew. Oh, my God. What happened with us? Of Matthew. Mm -hmm. We need to discuss this because I need to figure out why she snapped entirely at the end. But anyways. All right. I mean... Probably apparent what stood out for me. I've still got others, but Natalie, what stood out for you? All the amazing stuff in this episode, and it was just glorious. But the thing that stands out for me that I am going to love forever was just the expression on June's face right when of Matthew starts to go off the rails. Mm-hmm. She's just, June is just looking at her and she just has this look on her face, which is both surprise but also joy yeah like this is amazing and I was thinking the same thing it's maniacal she looked (laughs) maniacal yes well yeah I think it's a culmination of all that's been going on under the surface in this in this app yeah and like plan is coming to uh, fruition we've had 1,000 close-ups of June's face you know (laughs) like and this was actually (laughs) this is actually a different expression that we hadn't seen before (laughs) okay can I actually copy you slightly in terms of what stood out for me Uh, Natalie um Lydia's expression when that mother asked her if she had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah. Lydia's <laughs> face was pretty hilarious. It was in a that. flinch, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I clocked that. And Heidi, what stood out for you? I'm going to go with 
the karaoke scene oh. on uh, Aunt Lydia's date because that was just too much. <laughs> Her up there trying to sing. <laughs> it was too much and not enough. What was, was the song? What was the song she was singing? It was Islands in the Stream. Islands in the Stream. And I love that the line that they both started with together was making love to each other. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cringe! Oh, it was up there with the levels of awkwardness of yeah. the uh, the tango dance last oh, episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's not even start on the. <laughs> Hand job. Anyway. Oh, I know. The hand job. <laughs> um, so obviously for me, it was all of the Lydia stuff. I've been waiting two and a half seasons for this. But also elsewhere, non-Lydia stuff. The handmaids all acting like children and um, the crybaby, crybaby and the Tinker Tailor. You know, I think all that syncs up with Lydia being a primary school teacher. And I think that all the girls... Being mean girls in this one, I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I didn't think of that at all. That's amazing. <laughs> Great catch. And also the lazy Susan <laughs> that the um, yes! the all using. <laughs> like they were literally passing around pieces of meat, you know? Oh, God, it was so weird. <laughs> yeah. So there were two there. Plus all the Lydia stuff. All right, well, but before we get into too much of the Lydia stuff, like, you have to eat your vegetables before you get your sweets. <laughs> <laughs> Got to sound like Lydia. Um, so we open with the handmaids at... The start of the labour of a new handmaid of Andy, who I don't think we've seen before. I don't think so. So she's at the beginning of her contractions and the girls are huddled around entreating her to breathe, breathe. Which <laughs> would be so annoying, I imagine, <laughs> I if you were actually in that. I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> exactly. Um, and June, you know, she's furious and, you know, reeling from Francis's murder last week. So she's giving the biography of Francis that we never got... Mm-hmm. to know. We didn't know this woman until last episode, really. And she squarely blames of Matthew, of course, and the handmaids are all being the pack of mean girls uh, that we spoke of, and they shun her and play their childish pranks. Janine doesn't care for it one bit, but June doesn't care, mainly because she's got a sight set on a much bigger target, Lydia. She was just doing what Aunt Lydia told her to. Oh, I know. And June here, throughout the episode, really, she's sort of at a remove of all the other handmaids. Um, yeah. You see her kind of watching on I was she's wondering kind of, that. How yeah. did she get away with that? Because she really <laughs> didn't take part in any of it. So she just sort of stood by the side watching on. And I just thought, I didn't think that was allowed. Yeah, I, I guess Lydia's sort of letting her off a little bit, having mm. tortured her. Well, tortured Francis Moore, obviously, um, but psychologically torturing June last episode. And there is that moment where Lydia comes up to June at the end of that stalled labour scene and kind of says, hey, you know, tell, tell your, your friends, friends to cool to it. Cool it. I'm sorry, Aunt Lydia, I, I don't know what you're talking about. She clearly acknowledges that June is is the kind of leader of this group of handmaids and kind of gets a little bit of special special kind of leeway. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting prison vibes again, same as last week. I wasn't getting I wasn't getting schoolyard vibes. It sort of felt like I was watching Prisoner in the eighties, you know. <laughs> It's an Australian reference for any overseas listeners. I did not get it. Oh, right. <laughs> Including in the room. Blank. <laughs> and so because of all this silliness in the room, Lydia calls all the girls off or back into the birthmobile to uh, go and do some testifying because uh, that's the way to unburden your sins. So um, then June is, of course, at the centre of this with all of the taunts and the who did it, who did it. In this scene, when Lydia plays the guilt card on June, mm. she cries. But are they crocodile tears? I, I thought, I thought were, it was yeah. really effective because June taunted her by saying, are you going to cut out my tongue? Are you going to burn me because I might need to be on camera again? And like Lydia always gets her pound of flesh, you know, and I thought 
she couldn't physically harm her, but she just emotionally destroyed her instead. And I just thought she was just, she knew exactly where to go into June's mind to make her feel bad. So I actually thought that was real. I thought like that Lydia actually landed a blow. But Yeah, I, d- I didn't think so. I, I thought it, that's interesting. I thought it was real. I thought she was actually choking up at that point. But then her anger and her fire quickly came back and she was like, F this, I'm still going for it. And I'm going to go for you of Matthew. I, I felt like she broke a little bit, but then came back stronger and punching. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I thought agree. she cried too quick. I thought, and then she recovers way too quickly at the end. Like she, you see the face, you see her compose herself. I thought, no, I'm going to pull this one. So Aunt Lydia thinks I'm crying, but then mm-hmm. I'm going to go in for the kill. And the kill mm. she goes in for. Right. My wow. goodness. Like, I don't love of Matthew, but that was a little bit traumatic to watch. Like, I mean, she acted that brilliantly. And I really felt how um, exposing and horrible and, you know, awful and shaming that whole experience must have been to have everyone pointing their finger at you and all that. Yeah. I'm so glad you said shame, Sana, because I consider that circle to be Lydia's circle of shame. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and what we know of, of Matthew is her coping mechanism has been to believe in the system and to clearly she's had three boys and she's had to probably tell herself that they're going to be fine um, and to actually believe in Gilead and play by the rules and everything's going to be fine. And then it all turned on her. It's like there's just no matter how good you are, yeah, like there is still no winning here. And it was kind of like for her sitting in that circle of shame when she has done everything Aunt Lydia has told her was just felt like cruel punishment. And my theory from last week about what might happen with of Matthew, clearly that's not panned out, but an element I think of it has yeah. the fact that, you know, the system has come back to bite her in a very crazy way. Absolutely. And it's interesting, like with the of Matthew stuff, I think he, the way she's put in the centre like that, yeah, she's doing everything Aunt Lydia wants her to, but she's kind of at the expense of her humanity. Like you, <laughs> she got mm. a woman killed. Like June spells it out right in the start. Like she, her playing along, resulted in the murder of an innocent woman. She was caring for Hannah. Like, I think there's not wrong in that Hannah has lost someone who loved her. Another woman um, of colour as well. Absolutely. Yeah, she was a completely innocent party in this. She's not repentant. Like, she's bothered by all the taunts, but she hasn't apologised. And, yeah, she's doing everything she should be doing in a Gilead kind of way of mm-hmm. doing things, but at the expense of humanity. It's a really complicated one. <laughs> mm. And where Eden in last season kind of stuck to her guns and went to the grave with her beliefs. Here we've got kind of the flip side where I think of Matthew is a very similar character, but she's turning at this point. She's she's not like going to the grave with her beliefs. She's freaking out and, and suddenly like just like free falling, yeah. <laughs> not knowing what she's doing. So can I ask, is she going to the grave? Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> Is she, yeah, is she dead or is she not? And also, she's not happy. I don't like. <laughs> she's coming out. Not she, her eyes are wide open. I know. Were they I can't when tell. she was being dragged on the floor? Yeah. Yes, oh. I, I, I rewatched that I... a couple of times, trying to figure out where the bullet went, which I'm pretty clear went in her shoulder, shoulder, the back of her shoulder. shoulder. Yeah, but she flipped a few times. Yeah, and... that was an amazing flip, I have it, to say. Yeah. Very acrobatic. Also, can I ask what? actually made her flip in that supermarket because I was slightly confused. Did she think June and Lydia were talking about her and that's why she completely lost it? or Because nothing really happened to her in that supermarket. I think, well, the way I read it was in this whole episode, you know, she's being shamed for not really wanting the baby. Then she has to witness the stillbirth and that absolutely rattles her and thinks 
it, that, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. And then the next time we see her is the walk with June, I think, in the snowy walk where she looks ashen-faced, mm-hmm. like she crestfallen, and then she freaks out, that, like does the whole Gilead thing of whenever someone shows you kindness, Janine does, and poor Janine cops it again. <laughs> um yeah, I think she's looking to June for guidance and June's kind of controlling her a little bit in that, in that scene, her. directing her towards Lydia. Nat? I thought it was very interesting that the can that she was holding right before she flipped was actually, um, it had a picture of a red lobster on it. And as far as I'm aware, red lobster actually is of, of significance to the African-American community in the US. Mm-hmm. It's referenced in a Beyonce lyric. Nicki Minaj used to work at one. And I was just wondering if when she was holding that can, whether it just took her back to pre-Gilead days mm. and that was just like that straw that broke the camel's back. That's really interesting. Sure. That is great given, you know, the show has copped a bit of flack for the treatment of women of colour. It's certainly the last couple of episodes and I think this one probably might a little bit too. It but is brutal. It is. So brutal. Um, that's, yeah, if, that, if that's another layer to, to the scene, then that, that's a really interesting take yeah we also got our first reference to acknowledging any racial hierarchy in yes. in this episode when the aunts were sitting around twisting their lazy susan and remarked that you know one family didn't want a, a black handmaid or a handmaid of color yeah i thought that was interesting because there has been talk about how they've completely taken away that element of gilead that was in the book mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. is the first time we heard about it it's mm. interesting and i mean that was also the family who don't want a handmaid of color who also have anger issues that, like <laughs> yeah right, who is yeah. this family don't need to see them <laughs> yeah, of all the people that I'm feeling sorry for in this episode, and there are a lot, one of them also is the is the nice, quiet handmaid that's now going to get sent to that awful family. I'm yeah. like, oh, there is... Like which, which one? Oh, the obedient family. one they send yes. that way. Oh, right. The racist oh. ones with anger issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. great. Thanks, Aunt Lydia. <laughs> Cheers. The, the, this is kind of why I think, well, I'm hoping that of Matthew isn't dead, because mm-hmm. I think it was deliberately ambiguous as to whether or not she's been killed. And it would surprise me that a guardian would shoot to kill a pregnant handmaid. Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm hoping that she's still alive and that they aren't just sort of killing off all of the <laughs> people of colour in this show as soon as they enter the show. Okay, I'm going to revive my theory slightly because if she's alive, then maybe she will be punished for endangering her child, mm. like that woman that's been in yeah. the headlines in the past week, you know, who got into an argument and was shot in the stomach and then she was charged for endangering her child or mm. whatever the charges were, mm-hmm. which is insanity. Maybe maybe that's what will happen too of Matthew. Well, I think also she'll be part of pointing a gun at Aunt Lydia <laughs> won't right. be taken on. Taken, um, She's got punishment lightly. coming one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it was very clearly a shoulder shot. So yeah, It yeah. is really crazy though just how, because we, like we noted this last year about with the child separations at the border when that first started, really getting into the news headlines and how that was really echoing storylines in The Handmaid's Tale. And here we are again in season three and the storyline again is echoing headlines, which when they wrote it hadn't actually happened yet. Mm, But this being very scarily predictive. So yes, that poor woman in Alabama who then was facing charges for endangering her baby, that was just mind-exploding nuts, you know. I think those charges have been dropped, thank God. They have, yeah. And in Lydia's circle of shame, one of the things that she said as well was it should be a crazy thing that you just hear in Gilead, which is like the worst thing you can ever have is not wanting your baby. And I thought, actually, that is the sort of thing that we hear in real life, Mm. in politics and in media. And um, anyway, so I thought that The Handmaid's Tale was doing a a very good job as well of echoing real world, very sad, crazy real world events. Yes. I mean, we 
probably took comfort in the fact that all of these references, when the book was written, you know, they were past crimes and past real world examples. Yeah, these are very contemporary <laughs> examples from which we're lifting as contemporaneous, actually, as it, as it happens, as you mentioned. We were mentioning sort of the, of Matthew arc here, and with whether she'll turn and what what's her story, it taps into the, the comments here that the aunts are saying at their Lazy Susan of, is it the apple or is it the barrel? Is it the person? Is it the environment? And I love that it's June here that we're sort of examining, because June isn't really our June, this episode. She's the crazy puppet master. June. Yeah, she's the crazy <laughs> puppet master who's playing off Matthew to get to Lydia. Yeah, being the bitchy ringleader. It's, yeah, like, we know she's not a bad apple, but she's sure in a bad barrel. Well, this is interesting because, yeah, Lydia talked a lot about, you know, how environment can influence you. Mm-hmm. She said that a couple of times. And it was interesting how that single mother that she was becoming friends with was you know, the one encouraging her to get out more and, you know, mm. and then that made her go give a hand job, mm. perhaps, and then she went crazy about that. Oh. Um, <laughs> so she, you know, she very much, I think, felt influenced by her environment there, which is why she backlashed so hard on that single mother. And we're seeing June be infa- affected by her environment here and turning way more callous and saying that she understands why Alf Glenn put a bomb vest to her and she enjoyed hurting of Matthew. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing people change as a result of their environment. Yeah, and it's mm. a call back to the conversation on the tape to Luke of, like, I'm not who you Right. The person you know anymore, this place is changing me. And the conversation she had with, um, what's her face, Mrs Lawrence at the, at the table there. Same thing. Mm. Lawrence isn't who, right. who we used to be. Yeah, I see it as just this is the unravelling of all of them. <laughs> and we actually also saw the unravelling of Lydia in the backstory. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Which was so good. Is it time to talk yes, about this? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is time. <laughs> um, okay. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, is all I was, I was thinking oh. and saying the whole time. And also, we don't talk before we um, come here to record this podcast, So, but this was the one time we broke and there was a mini email <laughs> chain we had yeah. to stop of just, oh my God, Lydia Backstory, screaming, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's all we said. So we think, have not talked about this yet. No, I, I just didn't ever expect to see Lydia full on making out with anyone and that was just <laughs> She way, was going for it. She was going for it and girl needed to get some. I get it, you yeah. know, but like... I had my hands covering my face. I was kind of screaming at the screen. (laughs) You're like, no, no. I I was the same. I was like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. And then I was checking myself going like, no, Haiti, you're being ageist. It's cool. You can watch this. But I just couldn't. It just really rubbed me the wrong way. It wasn't ageist. No. This is the mega villain of The Handmaid's Tale (laughs) On on a date. Yeah, trying to get hers. Oh, she looked so nice. She was wearing a nice sparkly top, and her yeah, voice she was beautiful. different. Yeah. I know. I was so, I was like, she's so weirdly happy for her, and that's yeah, wrong, me isn't too. it? Yeah, yeah. But it was interesting because I was thinking about Lydia's circle of shame and why she likes it so much, and the things that she would be like shameful for herself if she was in the middle are not the things that she probably should be shameful for. Yeah, because everything she did on that date was just was just normal. It yeah. was just yeah. human. Yeah. She clearly really liked that guy and he seemed really nice. They had a really nice normal date. It was New Year's mm. Eve. They come back. She's got a Christmas tree up. It was all just like lovely. She clearly has massive hang-ups about sex. And I'm curious. I want more backstory because yes. I want to know what happened with the mistake husband. Did yeah. she mm. reference having had a husband? Or, I was actually know, wondering yes, if she was an alcoholic because oh. it was New Year's Eve and she didn't really want to have that's a drink right. on yeah, that that's day. True. And he mentions that she had this was her second career. And I just thought... Clearly, you have had to leave a whole bunch of your life behind. Mm. If you left a job with family law, you've left the husband. 
And yeah, and then I saw the drink element coming in and I thought, okay, there is another backstory. Yep. There is a Lydia backstory backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting she was in family law as well. Just as, yeah. just yeah. as an aside. She clearly yeah. has had plenty of experience seeing children treated not very well. Or and she's clearly extremely judgmental of yep. single parents. Um, but she really helped that woman in the end. Like she actually sort of did, she was actually doing the right thing. This is, this is what really gets mm. me is that the Lydia that we saw in the backstory was was actually doing the right thing, which was she saw that there was a family struggling and she actually tried to help the parents so the parent could help the child. Mm. And I wish that we did more of that. Like she had helped the mother get a new job. She had helped them be able to afford Christmas presents. Um, and then the mother was sort of helping her as well. And I thought, this is all going really nicely, except then when everything, because that mother had encouraged her to yeah. get out, get out mm. more, when everything went wrong, she had to she had to blame someone, yeah. and I think we really yeah. just learned that Lydia cannot look within. Yep. Like nope. she just something just shuts down there, and she just cannot blame herself for anything. So she has to look for someone else to blame. You got to testify. Which, you got to project it somewhere else, yeah. and it comes back to the, all the mirrors that were in the yeah. the flashback. So many mirrors in the flashback. So, <laughs> so many shots of Lydia looking at her own reflection, but unable to actually self reflect. So when so when she was tempted to act on her desires and go against her internal religious morals or whatever, instead of chastising herself, she she takes it out on those around her as she sees the ones that were tempting her. Yeah. And they, it's such, a reflection, such yeah. a reflection on how she carries herself in, in Gilead and yeah. how she treats the handmaids. Takes it out such on the mirror too insight. in the end. <laughs> <But> <laughs> makes me think... Okay, so if she's not just being malicious to the handmaids because she's protecting them or, you know, thinks they're doing the wrong thing and need to be corrected, if that's the way she acts out when she has internal conflict, what internal conflict is leading her to treat those handmaids mm -hmm. the way she does? Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's something going on there. And we had a flash of it when she beat Janine a few episodes ago. Yeah. So uh, I think it was sort of suggesting that, yeah, there's this internal dissonance in Aunt Lydia Mm -hmm. that is causing her to act so cruelly towards the handmaids. I yeah. think her cruelty to the handmaids is because the handmaids are essentially that single mum. Like, that's why mm -hmm. they're handmaids. They were fallen women in in some way. And that mum, you know, if she's still alive, I imagine she's a handmaid somewhere. I think she's you know? probably the first one if <laughs> yeah. Lydia had her way. <laughs> in all of Gilead, yeah, potentially. And she, she hates, like, sort of unhampered female sexuality. She, she thinks it's evil and sinful and, you know, the handmaids... Are, are who they are because of that. Mm -hmm. And then the two people that she had in her life back then, which was making her life happy, was the principal and that mother. And I thought it was... Sorry. The mother or the boy? I thought it was... I thought she always just tolerated the mother. I think it was she the boy she wanted. I think she liked the mother as well because she ended up inviting the mother into her life and she was trying to help her. Yeah. I, and, and then I, in the end, she gets the ultimate judgment from both of them. The mother is screaming at her saying, you've just ruined this boy's life. And the principal is, is incredibly unhappy with the, with the decision she's made. And when you can't look within, when you are that person who cannot take blame for anything, having those two people in her life clearly very angry and blaming her would just make her double down. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think with her treatment with the mum, Noelle, we saw the both sides of Aunt Lydia. She does mother those girls and she was sort of trying yeah. to mother Noelle, you know, like you say, trying to encourage her on the right path and, oh, you shouldn't be sleeping with a married man, but, you know, <laughs> it was all fine and rosy and the Christmas was quite wonderful until she got the makeup and then the makeup led her to, <laughs> to do yeah. simple things. Yeah. yeah, so then that was, yeah. She it just made her human. I know. That's the thing. All that did was just, yeah. Yeah, it, it just made her human and made her, just put her hopes and dreams out there and when they just got completely crushed... 
it's so amazing to see the makings of a monster, isn't it? Like I really, I loved this flashback stuff yeah. so much and I'm so hungry for more. Like how did she even get to that point of being so sexually repressed is mm. what I still want to know. Yeah, because you so rarely get to see the machinations yeah. and the sort shame of formations. Shame is just so strong, mm. yeah. isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. shame yeah. Is, is such a horrible emotion. But that's what, like, Having grown up in a somewhat religious family, that's what religion to me has so often been about, shame. You know, mm. you control people via shame. I don't know if that's, you know, a controversial thing to say, probably. It's not really. Catholic guilt is a whole thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, not it's, that you're brought a Catholic, but... Yeah. No, but, you know, it's it's a universal thing of, with a lot of religions, yeah. I think. You know, sh- control through shame. That's so damaging. It's yeah. so damaging. Yeah, entirely. Which is... Why Lydia's modus operandi, like well, that's the testifying, and that's why when off the back of the bad date, the first, the next scene, the hair's up, the the makeup yeah. is off, yeah. importantly, and she's testifying. She is. She's run straight to child protection to testify, to work through her sin. And while she's testifying, did you notice she's standing yep. on a red circle carpet dot thing <laughs> yeah. that's very handmade-y? Of Absolutely. course I didn't notice and that. And there were, there were also Gilead colours in her <laughs> yeah. apartment. Oh, my God, red apartment. And also the single mum had, like, a red scarf on every time oh, we yeah. saw her in her jacket. There yeah. was red lighting at the restaurant when on the date. Yeah, like... You mentioned it, Heidi, but like crucially, her home is handmaid's red. Like that's yeah. a comfortable colour for her. <laughs> and at the club, like you, you, you were saying, um, when she's looking in the mirror, she's bathed in red yeah. light before she embarks on her sinful night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oof. And then it's sort of a greeny cardigan, like a. Yeah. It's not real. It's not teal. But. I, I did. I did wonder about that. Yeah, it was going in the more bluey, mm. tealy tone, but not fully there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta say, I think they did a really good job, huh? Like we, it's we've good. wanted this for a long time, yeah. and so they had to deliver. It's good, and uh, especially in that it's relatable. Like it's a bad date. She went too far. She tried it on way too quick. Yeah. He recoiled. Look, a girl like, has needs. Was, <laughs> <laughs> a girl she sure does. And it was like, a, it wasn't this incredible landmark moment of shame. Like it was, it was a bad date that sent her on a spiral. So like, mm. I love that they didn't go too far with the backstory. It's mm-hmm. yeah. illustrative, but it's not a defining moment. Mm. Remember last season in episode nine, where she alluded to being godmother to her sister's child oh, who yeah. died he was four days old. Yeah, yeah. Right. That that's another absent. That's true. Really, yeah. piece of this puzzle. Yes. Because I was yeah when we were thinking what what was what was that and I thought was it this boy, but then you know I went back and um listened to that uh, dialogue and that was a was her nephew. When we spoke to Anne Dad last last season as well, um, she did mention that Bruce Miller, his idea of the backstory of Aunt Lydia was that she had been a teacher, mm. and so it was interesting to finally actually see that play out because we've never seen that. Yes, and if you didn't hear our very lengthy interview with the amazing Anne Dowd, yeah, do go back and listen to that because, yeah, she was speculating how she reconciles what those early days for Lydia might have been in Gilead and, yeah, how she takes to this whole thing. Incredible. And, I mean, honestly, the way she plays Lydia, Lydia Clements and Aunt Lydia, um, because you do need that warmth. Like, you need to be able to believe that she is this mothering and maternal figure. Her smile um, is wonderful. She lights up a uh, room. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, she's beautifully warm. Of course, she makes the chilli for the whole, for the days and then has makes extra just in case the little boy doesn't get picked up. But then she can turn on a dime and be this cold and calculating villain. It's brilliant. The female antagonists in this series just oscillate wildly, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) I keep holding in my head this line that Bruce Miller said when we interviewed him last season that in the writer's room they try to make the characters do the most likely thing to avoid melodrama. That The thing that's most likely would happen is, is what they try to make happen. And I've been reflecting on that a bit, and especially with this episode and all of the 
teasing in the marketing of this season as to a possible defection of Serena and and Lydia to the other side and forming of allies and this and that. I kind of think that's that's actually not going to happen and that the most likely thing is that they won't turn and Lydia will stay Lydia mm. and there might be, you know, increasing shades of grey, but yeah, I I don't think after this episode I'm I'm kind of I've kind of left that mm-hmm. hope that Lydia will defect. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. I know me either. Yeah, I like that they toy with us to make us, mm. oh, is this yeah. the one? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. As I thought it was quite tricky of um, the creators of the show because we've all wanted this Aunt Lydia backstory for yes. so long and they can absolutely tease this episode as such and everyone's going to watch it. But in the end, the Aunt Lydia backstory wasn't even the main thing about yeah. this episode. It was just such a crazy, batshit, insane episode. Yes, it was <laughs> chock full of stuff going wrong and crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sadness. I mean, we do see a stillbirth happen. And that yeah. is very sad, the way that plays out. And um, one thing, a beautiful moment, that the way the handmaids all form a heart. I thought that was so lovely. And then they're swaying, swarm. you know. Yeah. Like, oh, and like the music. Heart. Yeah, it was quite beautiful. And the way June goes to observe the baby, you know, that we do we do see this child and the mixed That emotion. was quite shocking, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Her reaction to it was just, I guess that was just so telling. That was that, that was the show saying that this is not the June that we know because like June in previous episodes has always been the one that's comforting people as, mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And she seems to have just completely shut down emotionally just to be able to be staring at that poor dead baby. And she actually reminded me of Mrs. Lawrence when she was saying, Yes. About that she was, mm. I thought the baby was going to die or whatever it was that she said, which was so inappropriate. And I actually felt like June was being that in this episode yeah. by staring at the dead baby and wasn't able to sort of access her normal emotions and feelings. I don't know. I, th- I thought it, at least someone was acknowledging the baby because I think otherwise that poor child was just being discarded. It was like, and of course of Matthew's being ushered away because she, you know, she's heavily pregnant. So it did connect with her on a really core level but otherwise no one else was really acknowledging this poor child that but also it's complicated because as June later says she's a little bit relieved because this poor little girl doesn't have to grow up in Gilead it's so how grim hey so grim but yeah once again in that scene June was not with the crowd again she was she was still standing back she was still being able to be different and in that scene she didn't rush to join that lovely heart and therefore the heart was a little bit damaged because it was missing her. It wasn't perfect. Um, yeah, good point. So, yeah, look, I like your reading of it, Fiona. I think that's actually really nice. That's what I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I just saw it as like, oh, June is really damaged. She is just not comprehending things mm. in any normal capacity. Yeah. Well, and also she doesn't give a shit because off the back of that she goes and speaks to Lawrence like she speaks truth to power there because he's earlier, we hadn't mentioned it yet, but he literally closes the door on her and any hopes she had of him helping her find Hannah. Which was an awesome shot with the, yeah. <laughs> the unfrosted triangles <laughs> lining up with her eyes exactly. How long yeah. did that take? And making like a little frowny face as yeah. well yeah. with the yeah. semicircle. <laughs> it's kind of cartoonish almost. Yeah, it's like grizzled eyebrows. Yeah. And of course she goes up and is just like coiled spring scratching at the um, the woodwork. But yeah, when he comes back in to say, oh, how's the baby? I need to tell Mrs. Lawrence. And then she says, well, the baby dies. He's like, like, oh, okay, well, then when you tell her, uh, don't do that. He's like, boy or girl? Dead. (laughs) Okay. Lawrence was confusing slightly 
to me in this episode because after last week what happened when she, you know, took um, Mrs Lawrence out and it all went pretty terribly, I would have thought there'd be residual anger about that and now he's being chummy and saying, you're good to her. How is that good to her, <laughs> the whole experience? Mm. Of, I don't think he's being chummy so much. Well, not yeah. chummy, no. <laughs> he, actually, yeah, he actually paid her the first compliment yeah, he, that's yeah, what I mean. he ever yeah. has. And it was weird on an episode where we get some humanity from Aunt Lydia and her backstory. We're also getting some weird humanity from... <laughs> Commander Lawrence as well. It's also off the back of him saying, I'm not going to help you find your daughter. So he's probably also trying to keep her close. Mm. So I'm not going to help your daughter, but you have to help my wife. Yeah. (laughs) It is Gilead. Gilead. You're right. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) He has been strangely resigned the last few episodes Mm. after making such a strong impression at the start of the season and being so ready to show off to June and test her with all these kind of trials. And he suddenly backed off a lot, which, is, you know, is a little bit odd to me. Yeah, I think he'll come back. Mm. I'm really feeling sorry for that poor handmaid who, um, who, had, this, who had the stillbirth. Of Andy, yeah. Yeah, because, like, what happens to her now? Um, well, no one else wants her. Not that, I yeah. know. And Not that so that is a good thing, by yeah. the way. And, like, yeah, and stillbirth is... It's not rare, you know, like it Mm. does actually happen. So it doesn't mean that she can't have a healthy baby next time. Mm. And it's just, but no one wants her now. So what happens when they don't want a handmaid? Do they become a, um, they get sent off to the colonies maybe. I don't know. Do they become a Martha? Uh, Yeah, I don't don't know. know. Mm. And Janine, uh, oh. wow, like I can't believe that she's the one that cops the beating again. And there are some things in this show which I think are just constants, which we will always see. <laughs> Janine always getting beaten. Yes! Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't realise that was one of them, but that's one of them. It oh. is. It's consistent. And she's the only one that showed off Matthew kindness as well. Like at the start there, she's, try- she's you know, saying to June, come on, it's a bit much. And then she's trying to show kindness to Matthew and in Loaves and Fishes too. Maybe she's going to flip at some point, you know, like she's going to explode. She has to be next. She did flip in the first season. Remember, she almost jumped off a bridge. Yeah, Yeah. maybe she's going to flip again. (laughs) Who knows? She's the the eternal optimist. Flip in the resistance, not check out. Yeah, 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 that's Mm. what I mean. Okay, that entire final scene was... Was, I, I couldn't figure it out. I don't know if the word is like it felt surreal or magical realism or something. Like, I don't, it yeah. just felt different. Like, it, there was a dreamlike quality to it. There was, yeah. It was certainly the overexposure of yeah. the, um, the extreme light. The um, bright white. Yeah. I think especially so. with that close up, yeah, of, of June's face. She looked like she was floating in a dream. It didn't yeah. look real. I think so, because I think the whole episode is building up to that. Like, the way it opens is June observing Lydia in of Andy's early labour. And then it ends kind of with. June and Lydia again and of Matthew there and you could almost there could be the breathe breathe in that end scene as well like because hmm. it's something weird is about to happen <laughs> it's not childbirth that's right but, she's compelling um, something to happen yes almost. yeah and June is in a way like trying to control of Matthew to direct her rage like just she tilts to Lydia and the half smile yeah that's the one <laughs> yeah it's it's weird because I don't I don't know they don't really have that connection I wouldn't have thought yeah. but of Matthew is so she's doesn't Losing know it. what she really is, <laughs> and she needs someone to direct her at that point. It's like June's throwing very subtle <laughs> cues. It was really interesting that everyone in that scene was running and ducking for cover, mm. except for June and except for Lydia. Yeah, and they were the ones closest to her and the ones who both had the gun pointed on them. And of the gun element, just before that scene, when June was waiting for of Matthew to arrive, and we just see the point of view from behind her. I want to call it a veil, but what do we actually call that? The bonnet? The wings? The wings, yeah, the wings. And it looked like a weakness, you know, about about how they really can't see very Mm. much. And for me, 
seeing June's point of view like that, you really saw how much she couldn't see and it felt very vulnerable. Whereas that was flipped once you actually saw that from of Matthew's point of view and all mm. of a sudden it actually looked like a gun target. Yeah. The way <laughs> that she sees people. And it was it was really chilling. Yeah. But then it points to June and it points to Lydia and neither of them are running away. And then when of Matthew gets shot, uh, Lydia's response, it's not relief or anything. She just says, oh, no, oh, no. You know, like she she never loses sight of her job. You know? <laughs> to protect the babies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, you know. Weird character. I also liked the the running symbolism of the circles and the handmaids and the fact that off Matthew lost it within this circle structure in the supermarket and they made that very uh, marked decision to have the fixed camera on the gun as she's spinning in circles mm-hmm. and uh, and just the kind of continuation of that circle motif. Yeah. And her kind of just losing it within this circle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when she's dragged off, there's a blood streak that sort of forms an arrow as, they're, as right. they're taking her out. And also that gun spinning, that shot mirrors sort of the testifying shot um, yeah. in the mm. beginning when, mm. you know, the camera spins around and everyone's looking at you and pointing at you. and Totally, yeah. It, it has someone in their sights when they're doing that. Yeah, yeah. It, it might as well be a gunshot, yeah. The final song. Yes. Quesara. Asking what will I be. Like, this also mirrors what June was saying Earlier in the show, you know, Tinker Taylor, mm-hmm. now we have only few options, Martha, Handmaid, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Is, is Terrace going to be added to her list? Is she going to go off Glen Styles? Like, I, I don't know. What's mm. she going to be? Because mm. she's saying she understands why off Glen put a S to her. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think she was being that in this episode at the end there. Like, she right. was, of Matthew was the bomb, was the bullet, literally. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was a hit on Aunt Lydia. It just yeah. didn't actually work. Yeah. But also that song is also a little bit about fate and it's like what will be will be (laughs) right Mm. but it is asking what will i be pretty will i be rich just that's not really options in um, (laughs) in has anyone else felt some weird dystopian whole foods vibes in (laughs) in loaves and fishes like very much i don't know about anyone else but i've been i've been like toying with this uh plastic free july business that's going on at the moment and kind of appreciating going to bulk bulk buy supermarkets and um, using reusable <laughs> containers. And so I've been appreciating these shots in loaves and fishes where they're filling up things in glass jars and not <laughs> doing single-use plastics. But <laughs> Well, there's been, there's, been, there's been a remark before that Gilead is green, but outside of you yeah. know, the town centres, they have dry cleaning and all the rest. So, yeah, Gilead cares about the environment. That's why they lost their fertility. Joe Lawrence would be happy with you, Heidi. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure that Rita, who... We never see this season. Yeah, come back, Rita. Yeah, I'm sure she's making wonderful homemade sourdough. <laughs> um, <laughs> and churning the butter for it. Yes. Yeah, please, can she come back? Yeah. Like, we're really not seeing... And okay. it's also really annoying that the parts of her that we have seen have been really supportive of Serena as well. Yes. So, yeah, I've had enough of that. All right. That was episode eight. What do we think nine holds? It's time for predictions. Sana. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess it would be what I sort of already said earlier in the episode, my version 2.0 of, of Matthew <laughs> endangering her child and, yep. and, you know, copying some deep punishment for that. That's, that's all I got at this moment. Okay, that's good. No. Well, we didn't see Fred or Serena this episode, so I'm going to guess they're going to make a reappearance next week so we'll find out what's um, been happening to them in Washington but I'm just really curious now to see where June's going because she really unraveled in this one and she's now 
kind of a crazy person. Um, so, and this was such a brilliant episode because stuff happened. Yeah. Um, so much stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm not expecting her to bounce back next episode. I'm actually hoping that she might actually have even more of a role to play with some more crazy things happening. So, June will have more. June. Yeah. Cross fingers. Haiti, what about you? Lydia has just threatened June with removal from Mm -hmm. the Lawrences. So I'm very interested to see how that's going to pan out, uh, whether Lawrence is going to insist that she stays. I think he will. I think he's going to stay in the series. I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah. And on that, um, Lydia does say there are commanders more powerful than Lawrence. Like she just mm, sort of wants right, that. Yeah. And I didn't know if that was a nod to Washington. Oh, yeah. Or... Maybe she'll go to Washington so she can hang out with the Waterford still. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I mean, not in their household, but like at least be in the vicinity. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they can catch up and whatnot. Or, um, you know, she'll could always go to Chicago with Nick, as uh, one of our Twitter followers pointed out. <laughs> yes. And as, as we wondered earlier in the yeah. season two. And also, I think it was last week, but June's mouthy handmade friend, Alma, the one with the fruit cocktail, and she, uh, she's always <laughs> right. yeah, a little bit spunky. She mentioned at the salvaging that even her commander didn't know what happened to the Mackenzies. So she's got a pally relationship with her commander, who we haven't met. I don't know. I don't she think so. Of? What, do we know what her name is? Oh, right. Um, no, no idea. So anyway, that, w- that sort of hints to, well, they've got a pally relationship too. So there's all these other commanders that are maybe not as straight up and down in the Gilead way. I didn't take that as pally. I just took that as, you know, the information in the house that she would have overheard or whatever that yeah, they don't true. know. Mm. I don't know. The way she's dropped it was sort of like, mm. even mine didn't know. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was a hint too. There are other houses maybe that Dune might inhabit. I don't really have a prediction either. I thought it's probably going to be a Fred Serena one next time, given they didn't get a look in this time. We shall see. Episode nine next week. Oh, my God. So, thank you. This was a big one in a lot of ways. Thank you, everyone involved in The Handmaid's Tale for our Lydia backstory. And special thanks to my co-hosts, Sana Kadar, Natalie Hambly and Haiti Island. And thank you for listening. We love hearing your thoughts about The Handmaid's Tale and your speculations. We are loving all the feedback you're giving on Twitter and and your own um, input about where this show is going. Someone had a joke about all the teal. What is it, 1995? (laughs) 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 Big year for teal. Both seen last week. Um, What have you seen, Natalie? I really like one from Nina, who is picking up on all of the sun, the shadow and the window action that was in last week's episode. But I quite like that she says that um, when she listens to us, she also chats back. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Hayley made some good points actually as well. She wants to see more of what the kids are thinking about this Gilead world. Like we see the grown-ups talking about Hannah, but other kids, you know, what what are they picking up? Do they ask about their original parents? That was a good point, Hayley. Good question. Also, one person on Twitter, I quite like this, said shout out to all the Gilmore Girl fans who cheered when (laughs) Emily said she went to Harvard. I didn't even make that connection, but right now I am so cheering. That's awesome. Yeah, pick up. <laughs> so as they have all done, use the hashtag EyesOnGilead and um, join in the conversation there. You can reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at anything but Fifi. Sana, where can we find you? At Sana underscore Kadar. Natalie. At Natalie Hambly. Haiti. At Haiti Island. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, with editing and mixing by Jeremy Wilmot. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can download SBS The Playlist podcast, which I also host, with my colleague Ben Nguyen. And uh, we talk about movies and TV shows that are worth your time. And we've just dropped our 100th episode of The Playlist. So seek that out wherever you get your podcasts. For more Handmaid's coverage, you can head to SBS Guide, where you'll find some recommendations for other things to watch as you await the next episode of The Handmaid's Tale. 
Speaking of which, new episodes of The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 premiere every Thursday on SBS and at SBS On Demand. You don't own me, I'm not your property, so take your dirty filthy stinking eyes off me. Out you go, girls. Back on the birthmobile. Until next week, don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs>